Hello, Julia Neumann. Hello, Gabriel. I want to talk to you today about a topic that I had an epiphany of a couple of days ago. About making life work. And I had this sentence coming into my head that said, are you still unconsciously trying to make life work? And at the first glance, it seemed like the sentence asks, are you making life work? Like, does it work or does it not work? And do you still try to make it work instead of letting it fall apart? And then on the second glance, it seemed there's another layer. Somehow life seems to be a process and work is an action that achieves a result. I needed to Google that, but now I know. Then the question, are you still trying to make life work, brings this question of, are you still trying to make your life the process about an achievement? And I somehow sense that you know, know something about being alive and about achievements and about the process of life. What does it spark in you? When I put my compass outside of myself, then I need to live in achievements. I have to have a project where I have a certain thing that I end up with. And then I can show it to the world and say, look, I've made this work. And I discovered that I have remnants of that. And I've also, I also know when life is a process, when life is actually just the, the next thing that I jump into because that's the next thing I need to be with or even doing actions can come from that. But I, when I radically rely on life, radically rely on that which is alive in me, then it's no more about the achievement. It's about being in process with that is alive in me. And then the compass is inside of me. Is, is the only compass that matters then is what is alive in me? What is really that which is the spark in me right now. It seems to me that it is about what you are living for. You could be living for the outside compass and for the achievement, or you could live for the process. I'm assuming that you used to live for the achievement, being that you studied law and um, have been a lawyer, and then somehow you switched, you switched it and now you're more living for the process. What are you doing differently now than before? Oh. I remember one remarkable situation many years ago. I had finished my studies in law. I had finished, and this is a long-winded reply to your question, finished my legal training and I had started working as a lawyer in a big US law firm. So I had done all these achievements. And then the, the final cherry on the top was I was defending my PhD thesis and I and I've passed and I had passed with distinction and I had the honors and I had achieved again something great. And we sit at the family dinner afterwards to celebrate my achievement. And my mother asked, what does it mean that you've passed with honors? And I said, well, it means I could become a professor. And her eyes spark all up and she's like, wow, you can be a professor. Will you do that? And at that moment, it just dropped in. It's like, no way. 
like I've done enough to prove like or to live the life of my mother's dreams of achievements she wanted to do a doctoral thesis she wanted to be a professor or some sort of academic career and in that moment it's like ah oh, I've done it like I've, I've ticked the boxes I've done my share and if and I told her you know what I've done it if you want to become a professor you have to do that I'm not going to do that and that was a, a key moment to realize I can keep striving to make someone else happy or to achieve something for someone else so that they can be proud of me or so that their life becomes more through me. And then it took me years to do more achievements before I would actually like, shift. But that moment was really remarkable to, to notice. And then, yeah, and then it was really a gradual, it's like taking, coming off a drug, I imagine. Like gradually taking the next step, the next step of undoing this really strong addiction to achievements. Because if I achieve something, then the world will love me, is the, is the underlying assumption in my system. And to undo that and to grow more mass inside of myself that I don't have to stick those two stories together. Yeah, and leaving my law job without knowing what I would do was one step into going more into the process of life, finding out what is it actually that, who am I? What do I want to do with my life? And it's been an inquiry for the last 11 years. So you don't have any to-do lists anymore? <laughs> I don't have them on paper. still hold <laughs> lists in my... It's a good question. See, I don't think to-do lists are something bad, it's quite useful. Then I don't have to hold it in my mind. So I, I still have things that I know that I need to do. Just because, I, and I need to do them because I want the result of doing them. Like I want to, yeah, I, I want to have my taxes done. So I do the tax return. So I still have to-do lists, even if they're only in my head. But it's not, it's no longer this pressure of, this and this and this and this and this has to be done. It's not that parent ego pressure of that has to happen so that I'm fine or that has to happen so that I've parent ego pressure with the child ego necessity of fulfilling that and then it becomes this rat race in a way, internal rat race. So you say it's not, it's not so much about the tool that you use like a to-do list that can just create and reiterate the pressure it's something else that somehow uh, the interaction how you interact with life shifted yes how, how so like what is the difference now yes i i i'm glad for the question because the what i've noticed is that even a year ago I think like if I had a whole day in front of me, I would be so empty. I would be so stressed in a way internally, like out, outwardly, I could look calm, but internally this, I need to do this. I need to do this and I have to do this and I have to do this in this internal boom, boom, boom. It's this parent ego so strong, pushing me forward and my child ego so uncomfortable and scared of fucking my life up. And what changed was, I think, partly really the, the gremlin transformation part and the, the adult ego decontamination 
that I started with Anna about a year ago, where I discovered that parent ego part that does these that pushes me and the child ego that that reacts to the parent ego, how they interact with each other. And I stopped the game, I stopped playing the game because I noticed that that game I played also with possibility management, I would take all these possibilities, I would look at what can I achieve here, basically. I could achieve being an ETB trainer that was in the hierarchy of jobs for me that was like the second highest job, the highest job is being a lab trainer, or maybe you know, above that is then the, the trainer trainer. It's like that was the hierarchy that I had. It's like the hierarchical glasses onto the PM world and then still trying to achieve the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And when I got the, the rug pulled out under my seat and my feet of, Julia, I don't think you're a, an ETB trainer. And Chloe had this really courageous conversation with me and that pulled out the rug and it made space for me to say, okay, I've, I've done the same shit again in that I was in the rat race, just with a different, in a different context, trying to get somewhere, trying to be someone. And that, and then for the last seven months, I stopped doing that. I, I just said, okay, I acknowledge I've similar to that situation with my mother. I, I was acknowledge I've done my share. I've tried my best. This is what I've done. And now it's time for something different. And to relax into that being then. Who am I when I don't know who I am? Who am I when I can let life come through me rather than trying to pull it out of myself and and look outside? Is this you know, on an outside template? Is, does that fit in there? Does it fit in there? And how do I how do I need to be so that the world accepts me or that people out there love me and instead this is it's a process of bringing the compass inside and letting life unfold rather than pushing myself to be somewhere with life what I hear is that you stop running away from who you would be if you wouldn't fulfill all these expectations that you have towards yourself of who you should be like climbing up the ladder and climbing up the hierarchy would you say that this is something that you also see in others that that like the hierarchy of trying to be really high or really low on the hierarchy plays a part in in not being alive yes and the hierarchy can express even simply as looking at someone as superior because they are the space holder and then holding back impulses because the center has gone to the other person being the space holder. I see that a lot in both directions. As soon as there's superiority and inferiority, the people are not there anymore. There are the shells, there are the, the egos, the boxes are there. I am better than you. I am worse than you. How can we, how can I be so that I don't get dangerous for you how can i be so that you don't get dangerous for me and it's it's a farce it's not real and the, the other bit is that somehow part of the growing up or initiating into adulthood process i think is that it's a natural thing to look outside and look what's there and and find it also exciting it's so exciting that there is a trainer path it was so exciting for me there's a trainer path and wow 
this is so new, this is so different from what I thought was possible. And then to go, this is what I want. Because I couldn't imagine that there could be something entirely different for me to forge a path. So then adapting to what's already there, because it's it's closer to in reality to what I what who I am, it's closer, but it's still not it. But because it's the only thing that's already been walked onto that path, it's like, okay, I will take this path. And I see that a lot, that this willingness to the willingness to really find the own flavor, my own flavor, my own path, my that which comes through me naturally. I needed a lot of, I needed to build out enough structure or whatever you call that to be able to be able to, to, to take a stand for that, to honor that and to stop doubting myself about that. Can you say more about stop doubting yourself? It's, it's again, it's this critical, it's a, this critical voice, the parent ego that sits on the shoulder and says, you should be something, you should be something, you should be, and then, and that is coming from the looking outside and looking, okay, how do I need to be in this world to be fine? And then the self-doubt kicks in as long, as soon as I don't do that, the self-doubt kicks in and says, oh, but are you sure that this is really, is that or is that the gremlin doing that now? Is that your child wanting that? Are you really, is that really what comes through you? Um, are you just fooling yourself? Or maybe you're a bit too much of that. Maybe you're not enough of that. And it's a machinery of using up the energy that life actually has for me to just experiment and let it out and, and find out, like go with that and then get the result rather than through the self-doubt avoiding to go actually into the action, into the experiment and get beeps and get goes. Like stepping out of the aliveness into the self-doubting machine and then nothing changes. It just stays in the loop and the energy is high. It's a high intensity space still, even if it looks calm outside. But inside there's all this noise going on and the trying it out doesn't happen. I somehow sense it's even necessary in a way for people to do who do possibility management because as we are creating archaearchy and we are creating specialities, it's just it doesn't exist yet. So how can you try something out that no one has ever tried out before? You're gonna fail. Like why don't you just follow at least some some path that has already been tried out before and build matrix and then I think there's a lot of matrix necessary to really have this distinction of aliveness for for a person. And I think that you somehow sense to which degree a person is alive or where they are doing something that actually does not make them alive anymore. You're nodding your head, like, how do you do that? I, I'm sometimes gobsmacked. I see people like I see you and I see, I see that alive part in you. And then I'm ready to play with you and it's like, let, yeah, let's play now and let's do this and let's create. And then I get gobsmacked by the reality not matching that what I see, simply because there are these mechanisms in place that I also have. You know, there are the, the gremlin that kicks you out of your aliveness. There is the child that tells you 
I can't do this. And, and these things are real also, like from the inside. And I think some, like for me, it's more like I see the, I, I see that part that is alive. And then I get, I'm surprised of what happened. How, why not? And that's also negating my own journey of, I mean, that not also, but it is partly negating my own journey of all the steps I had to take to go through that also, where I would knock myself and it still happens on occasion that I knock myself out of my aliveness with my survival mechanisms. How do you see that alive part? It's some, it's some sort of energetic dynamics, I'm assuming, like that you somehow look into, you look at a person and you see the different identities that they have, and then you somehow choose to, to look at the alive part. And can you describe the energetic sensation that you have when you look at someone? So when I see that part, because I, I don't always see it. When I see it, then it's this clean, clear, energetic space. There's, there's just this immediate connection and I can... Um, it's an inner knowing almost. It's an inner knowing of, yes, this is, this is what comes through you. I see, it's like I see the essence of something. I see the potential. I see, ah, this is, yeah. And part of it is, can also be guessing. I, I only have this taste of it or a, of a sensation of that. Yeah, and when I don't have that, then it's like I'm standing in front of a wall. It's like, what is this? What is this wall? There's no one here. There's no one home or something behind the, the wall. And then I think one of my biggest pains is that. It's to, to walk around and see walls. But, I mean, it's also my choice to not see the walls and look behind it. It seems like you're still researching. I'm still researching that, yeah. And, and at the same time, there's this skill that by figuring out my own inner structure, I can see the inner structure of the other person. So if I, f if I figure out my own memes, I can see the memes in other people. If I figure out my own feelings, I can feel the feeling of other people just because I know the feeling and I sense what the other person is radiating or trying to hide. But even the trying to hide is, is then radiating. And then I can see that they're trying to hide something. And the better, like the better I get in, in knowing my own structure, the better I see the other person. And it's somehow it's like as if you have a lot of inner structure of what aliveness is. And then with your aliveness, you can just through your aliveness, you scan for the other person's aliveness. And then you're connected to that aliveness so strongly that you don't even see the, the blocks and the walls that they have still around them anymore, because you can just pierce through the block and you can see behind the block or like navigate around and come from behind or from the bottom and then see, see the alive part of that person. If you scan with your own aliveness, how, how does your own aliveness scanner work? How do you connect to your own aliveness? I'm getting more clarity around that in that I I'm sense when I'm stuck. So I'm sensing when I'm not alive. So I get this real sensation of stuckness, stickiness, heaviness in my chest. I sense that in spaces and I sense that with myself. 
when I I can sense my stuckness or my patterns of going in loops. My it's really like coming up to my own wall from the inside. I was like, oh, this here the aliveness is not allowed to come out. And I had this experience this morning where I really sat with a message that I saw in a group chat and I was, my aliveness was here and I was trying to get it out in the right way or something. It gets a sensation, a recent sensation is like I'm, my whole skin is, is crawling or something. It's like I'm, I'm stuck, I'm, my skin is too small for my being in that sense. I mean, my, my skin is trying to, con, is containing it. Like I'm trying to contain my being and then it gets this, it's like wearing a too tight piece of clothing. And I guess this, oh, and I'm trying to fit in somehow and I'm wiggling around and, and then I can notice that. It's like, what do I do with that now? I know I'm somehow not honoring my aliveness. So you found your aliveness by researching the blocks that you have from being alive. Yes. What are tools that I could use to research my blocks from my aliveness. And one of the biggest things is what stories do you tell yourself about yourself to notice where do you tell yourself you can't do this because blah 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 blah. You have a clear impulse like whoa I'd love to just dig my hand into the soil now and then comes the stories like I can't do that because first I have to do this then I have to do that and then I have to do that and only then can I do that and also it doesn't make sense now because it's raining. So to discover these stories that block your initial impulse that you could simply follow. And then from following that impulse, the next thing would emerge. And these live impulses, they don't make sense. They don't make sense necessarily. So you could start noticing the impulses that you block with stories about this can't be, I shouldn't be wanting that, I'm not good enough for that, all these disempowering sentences in your head. Thank you. I spoke today to someone who does it the other way around. So they have a yes for everything. And then they have an impulse that comes from the outside or from the inside and they just say yes. And so their calendar is really full with everything, but not necessarily what makes them really alive. It's just like a placeholder. So they don't have to feel the pain of I don't know, like they don't, they, they're avoiding something with it. What would you do there? Yes, I think that that is, I, I know that also to some extent, and I had forgotten about that. Saying yes to everything because, yeah, is also a way of avoiding the, the clarity of your own impulses. And there's a, an, it's a journey, it's an exploration journey is to find out what are the real impulses. Like we have so many impulses every day. So it's not about following every impulse. It's finding the impulse that brings you aliveness. The impulse that comes from your being. The impulse that comes from a real necessity right now. And it's not a child necessity. It's not a parent necessity. It's not a mind necessity. It's this... I think everybody knows what it feels like inside or what the sensation is of this is what I need to do. This is what I'm going to do. And these might be seldom moments, but you know the, the moment where, yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing. And that is the impulse that I'm speaking of. That clear, 
grounded yes. And it could also be the clear grounded no, to know when to say yes and when to say no. And as I say that, I, I am reminded that part of that research is to, to go into full body exploration of what a full yes and a full no feels like in, in your body. And sometimes I forget, forget how much rage work I have done. Like I've done so much rage work and I keep doing it because I love the clarity that comes from my body about this is what I'm doing now and this is what I'm not doing. And then the space becomes free for my being to come alive because I'm not doing the stuff that I don't want to be doing just to please other people or to please my own stories about life, the, the people that live in my head. What I hear is that it's still a lot of research. Like you, you're talking about a lot of research of how you block your own aliveness. And I think the physical body aspect makes a lot of impact in it. Because somehow I, it, it seems to me that in possibility management we focus so much on the energetic and the emotional domains and we somehow forget the physical body impact of it. And then I hear from people that they sense their gremlin like a metal taste on the tongue or they, they sense their gremlin like they get physically, their ears get, get pulled, pulled away. And that's how they notice that there is gremlin in the space. And somehow you researched in your physical body how your yes and your no feels like, yeah, tastes like in a way. And then you can distinguish between the yes and the no. And is it more of a yes or is it more of a no? Is it like a 70, 30 percent? Whatever, I'm assuming that's a scale of 100% fully turned on, yes, or like, no, no way I'm going to do that right now. And then to own that and to go with, to, to, to trust, to learn to trust your own yes and no by experiencing it first and by being able to be a yes and by being able to be a no. And then that opens up the possibility of choice being a yes and being a no, and then you can find the next piece of who you are. Yes, and I think that relates back to your initial question, process or result. I think there's a misperception that people think they are someone. But really, I am a process. If I'm alive, I am in process and I am a process. I'm not a thing. I'm not a, oh, now I found myself and now this is who I am. So, and that's where the beauty of the research is to find out every day again who you are today or even now, right now, who am I right now? Who am I right now? Who am I? And to to allow the experimentation of which impulses are worth following for me, because these are the impulses that feed me, they nourish me, they nurture me, they bring me alive. Yeah, they bring me to life, they bring my energies into what does it even mean to be alive, like this aliveness? Yeah, the, pro the process part makes a lot of sense that the shift from being someone and being solid because the solid thing is dead for aliveness 
it need, something needs to grow or it needs to be diminished or like needs to transform or, or put into something else and otherwise it wouldn't wouldn't be alive like every plant who is alive is, is growing or producing something or at least breathing even if it's just that but it's not just a tree it's like it's it's something that is growing and to make this identity shift as a human to acknowledge more the process that I am without having this taint of I'm going to be in the process now to achieve something better but more of like I'm, I'm in the process of being in the process. As you speak, I get this sense of you know, the, the results that, that I might be trying to achieve even could be so subtle as to some religious thought where church thought where that I need to be at the end of my life. I need to have had a good life where an honorable life so that I could get into heaven. And, and I'm not religious, but that thought word definitely is in my system. To be a good person. Like be in process so that. There's the so that. And to find, it's so great to find these things out so that then they can be sort of, they become a distant echo and they're not running my life anymore. They're just, okay, interesting. But I'm actually in process and finding out the next thing because that's what I want. And then how do you navigate that you're not going into the meaninglessness of, oh, I could do everything, it doesn't really matter, like I'm not going for anything. And then just life becomes meaningless because there is no, there is no thing I, I walk towards. Yeah, that's what I'm noticing. Like the more I make space for the aliveness and go into the process, the more I connect to my purpose. And so it's not to go for something, towards something, it's more like coming from something. So then I can come from something. What I do comes from something, like the roots and the tree, you know, and then I get the nutrients and then I grow the next thing out of that. And it doesn't have to be a specific shape or form, it, and it comes from a source that is connected to my purpose and then I am or get goosebumps, then I'm automatically, I'm, I'm fed by that, I'm nurtured by that. And then the energy keeps rolling in me that I create, and I'm not empty from the creation, I'm fed by the creation, and then the next thing can come. So you cannot search for aliveness by searching for aliveness. Somehow you need to put aliveness in your back and then act from it i would say the aliveness is that which is it's the it's the compass inside that's the aliveness you're not looking for it outside you're not looking behind either that's the aliveness it's like the compass or the the barometer it's like you, you each one of us has an aliveness barometer you know when you're alive and you know when you're not alive when you're surviving and to find that out is that's the the compass inside and the and what fuels it or the, the roots of it, that's the, yeah, you could call it destiny or purpose, bright principles, archetypal lineage. And that is not to be searched for. That is more to be like that comes more from the back. And it comes also more from the roots. I would say it comes from deep down or from whichever direction, but it comes from, yeah, connected to my own aliveness and then 
that connection emerges. So the aliveness potentiality, the aliveness potential that you have, that you bring, then somehow interacts with your archetypal lineage for the things you bring it, because you need to be able to hold, also to hold the amount of aliveness and the amount of like joy um, and other feelings, like and the other feelings to to navigate them and then to go to go with that. Yes, when I hear you speak, it came alive in me when I was in this process of letting go of my ETB trainer identity. Was I had a conversation with Dagmar Thürnagel, and she facilitated held space for us for me to speak with my archetypal lineage, and what came out there for me was that. What really matters to me is that consciousness can come through human beings and somehow the aliveness is connected to the consciousness that can come through. It's making space for the consciousness to be able to come through in your color, in your facet and in my facet so that then the field, the general field of consciousness is informed by you, by me, by... It's somehow really important that humans be who they are not just for themselves, but for the bigger whole. Thank you. Thank you.